Awesome. All right, teenagers, preteens, and children, you're released to uh, Kingdom Kids and Fusion. Good morning, church. Good morning to those who are visiting today. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. Love, love, love this place. We just got back from a marriage retreat over the weekend. It was awesome. And uh, my name hopes marriage is perfect now. It was close to perfect, but now it's perfect. We just kind of topped it off. A couple of the things real quick. So how many of you ever heard of Samaritan's Purse? It's where you make shoe boxes and you send it around the world. Okay. We've done this before. We want to do this again, but we need 10 volunteers. Uh, the culmination of it would be that out front, um, there'll be a bunch of tables lined up out there. And we're going to have all the shoe boxes and you and your kids uh, after church. We're going to be out there filling up shoe boxes. And then we have somebody take it to a distribution center. But for that to happen, we need, we need two things. One, we need a host home. Because Mark Myers, who's going to head this up, he's teaching children's church today, but Mark has a great heart for missions. I love how many people in our church have a passion for, for the loss of the world. And he's willing to head it up, but we need a host home so that when he orders the 200 boxes, they'll have a home to go to, the shoe boxes, put them in your garage or something. We also need 10 volunteers that will spend half a day going to the host home, um, and you've got to organize all the different things that go in the boxes so that when they bring them here, is nice and systemized and organized, and that we can all participate. But we need that we need that uh, team that will go before us and prepare it all. So um, there is a sign-up sheet right out the door. You go right out these doors on the table, and your right-hand side is a missions table, and there's a sign-up sheet there. And if we can get 10 volunteers a day in a host home, we're going to do it. If we don't, we're not going to do it. Um, so today's the day. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know you would like to be part of that pre-team uh, to, to make this a reality in our church. You just raise your hand real quick. Let me see how many people we can actually get doing. There's one, there's two, there's, do I get three? Do I get three? Can I have three? I got two. I got a three, a three, four. Can I hear four, 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 five? Come on. Hey, let's double that. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ho, 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 ho. One more. Come on. Just one more. No, everybody on this side has volunteered. Nobody on this side has volunteered. We need one from this side. Come on. There's children all over the world that aren't going to have Christmas because of you. Okay, we're getting close. And a host home. Somebody who's home that will receive the boxes and that we can have a, uh, a uh, simulation party there. Anybody here? Okay, boom, right there. The Lagoonquas, we got it. Okay, so everybody raise your hands for this to actually be a reality. You've got to sign up when you go out there. Because if Mark doesn't see ten names on that list with a host home... Uh, he's not going to order the stuff this week, and all this was just a exercise in futility. The next thing I want to talk about is I serve uh, about 75 churches throughout Mexico, and uh, one of our homes, one of the church, churches down there, uh, the storm that blew through Mexico about a month ago, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the churches down there, the pastor lives on the grounds in an attached home, and the storm hit one of our pastor's homes and the church, and here's a couple of pictures uh, that you can get an idea. So that's the home and the church there. This is after the storm hit. Let's keep going through the pictures here. And uh, that's his home. So there's no roof on his house right now. That's how they're living. And, uh, and then the church is right next door. And this is their bedroom and living room. Keep going. We got another picture there. All right, let's go one more. Um, so the first one uh, was of the church. That's the church right there. It has no roof. 
And then, of course, his house has no roof and it's flooded. So I asked Mario, who is our sister church in TJ, he went and visited this pastor. And I said, send me pictures and uh, tell me how much it's going to cost to repair the church and his house. And he said it's uh, $5,000. So what I want to do is if you're willing to give toward that, I would love to send them a $5,000 check and take care of that precious brother who's pastor one of our churches down there. So at the end of the service, we're going to receive an offering, and it'll be uh, strictly for that church. So you just make it up the gathering place, but in the memo you can put uh, Mexico, or if you put cash, we'll know what it's for. You'd also use an envelope. Uh, so we'll do that at the end of the service, okay? So it'll be a special offering just for those guys. Amen. You guys ready to get into the Word? All right, come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you give us a book we can wash our brains with and that we can see life the way you see it. So, Holy Spirit, open our understanding this morning. Spirit of truth, guide us into all the truth so that any way that we're limited in our thinking or anything we perceive theologically that's inaccurate, change it today so we can be free people. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, so freedom. Today I want to talk to you about freedom. There is no nation on earth that is more passionate about freedom than the United States of America. We fight for it. And we fight about it, don't we? Because we care so deeply about freedom. And so, but there's a freedom that no politician can promise. No money can purchase and no army can win for us. And that is spiritual freedom. And there's only one man who's ever lived who can bring spiritual freedom to the human race. And in John chapter 8, we're going to look at Jesus, who is that man, who is the only one that brings spiritual freedom into our lives. So I want you to go to John chapter 8 with me as we jump into this. And there are three things that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, promises us. He sets us free from these three things. We're going to look at these today. One is condemnation. The other is sin itself, the power of sin. And thirdly is death. Now, how many of you could get happy about that? That truly, if you are a human being that lives life on this earth free from condemnation, free from the power of sin, guilt, and shame, and free from the power of death itself, we would be different people. But that's who Jesus, our freedom fighter, came to give to us. So we're going to look at all three of these in John chapter 8. Now in John chapter 8, we enter into a collision right off the bat with the difference between living life with a Bible and living life with a Bible and a rock. And we're going to find that we have a choice today, either to be religious people that are self-righteous and shaming and condemning the world, using the Bible, or 
We're going to drop our rocks and we are going to determine and decide and live like the Bible is a book of hope, not of judgment and death. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So Jesus comes into a situation where he's in the temple and he's teaching from the book of hope, the book of life. And the religious people find a woman in caught, caught a woman in the act of adultery. She was probably set up. Who knows? Didn't bring the man, which is a big issue. They bring the woman alone and they actually drag her into the doors of the church. You can read this in the first section of John chapter eight. Many of you already know that story. Some of you have never read it. Open John chapter 8 and read this story. It is, it is probably the greatest illustration of the shepherding and the mercy of Jesus you're going to find throughout the entire Bible. This woman is caught in her sin. Could you imagine if Mark and Josh, two of the senior leaders in our church, found you in sin, watching pornography on your phone or cheating on your taxes or committing adultery or uh, in some kind of gross sin, and they actually saw you, and then they grabbed you by the back of the neck, and they drug you to this church service and threw you right down in front of everybody and confessed your sin. Or could you imagine if every sin you committed this week, we're going to put up here on this PowerPoint for everybody to see this morning. And that's what they did. This was their idea of the religion that they were trying to lead everybody into. Who would want to be a part of that? And they throw her down right in front of Jesus, the rabbi, because they're trying to trap him. They didn't care about her at all. And they said, the Bible and the Old Testament teaches that a woman caught in the middle of adultery is to be stoned to death. What do you say? And the first thing Jesus liberates this woman from is condemnation. I want to look at this in John chapter 8. Now, after Jesus, after, well, let me say this. After Jesus says to them the famous line, <laughs> this is horrible. I'm sorry. I didn't know better. I was raised Catholic and I love the fact that I was taught the fear of the Lord. And I mean that, the reverence and the awe and the fear of the Lord and communion and the presence of Christ and all that was just wonderful. But there wasn't a whole lot of joy. You know, like joke, you know what I mean? But I didn't know that. I was the youngest of a pile of Roman Catholics. I was the baby. So I didn't know all the traditions and stuff. They thought I did, but I really didn't. I didn't understand. And my mom and dad get divorced, and so we're out of the Catholic church for a while. Then I go back to live with my dad. He throws me into an all-guy Catholic high school. And I was just a really good pagan, really, to be honest with you. That's pretty much was, I was just a really good sinner. And so I'm in study hall as a freshman, and I'm in the all-guy Catholic school, and all the teachers are priests and nuns, and everybody's like really intense. I don't understand the environment, you know. I mean, I, just, I came out of a public school, and anyway. So, you know, we're in study hall, and it's all quiet and boring, so I thought I would tell a joke. And I told the story because I remembered this, you know, and I said, you know, and Jesus says, those of you who have, who have no sin, throw the first stone. And all of a sudden the stone comes, I'm telling this joke, right? The stone comes flying through the crowd and hits the woman in the head. And Jesus says, oh, mom. 
all my friends are going, oh my God. I'm like, what? <laughs> Needless, yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. Needless to say, the priest did not think it was funny, and I was cleaning urinals for a week. Jesus says to these folks, whoever has not sinned, throw the first stone. You bunch of hypocrites, is basically what he was saying. And then Jesus turns to this precious woman and he turns to you and I today. Our Savior turns to each one of us who have sinned this week and says this in verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one, say it out loud, condemned you? You see... There's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. Jesus is not soft on sin, and we will see that in just a minute. That'd be like being soft on cancer. Jesus is not soft on sin because sin will destroy our lives. But he is also not soft on condemnation. Condemnation is like, you know, a condemned building. It means when, you know, they say condemned, they put the sign over a building. It means unfit for use, and they just destroy it. There's no hope for a condemned building. Rather than having somebody come along, look at a structure and say, I can restore that building. Somebody who has the knowledge to come in and gut the walls and get all the mildew out and, and the rotted boards, and then they restore it and they flip the home, and, right? And then they sell it for a lot more. Well, con- condemnation says, you have sinned, shame on you, you are unfit for spiritual use. That's the voice of the accusers. Jesus used that word. And the book of Revelation is called Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Do you know what I like to say to him when he accuses me of sin? I say, really, that's all you got? You're just telling me that I sin? Everybody knows that. Let me tell you about your future. You see, you and I need to learn to say shut up to the voice of shame because it's never Jesus. Jesus does not shame us. He came to save us. Our sin is not a revelation to him. He didn't like come down from heaven, throw himself into the midst of humanity and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. They're all so sinful. Get me out of here. No, that's why he came is because we're so sinful. And he's the only freedom fighter who can set us free from condemnation, sin, and death. That's why he came. Oh, and by the way, that's why he sent the church. How many of you can quote John 3.16? Just say it out loud. Okay. For those watching online right now, because all that was kind of like mumbled and garbled, it's, it's this. If you ever wonder what those signs are at the football games, for God so loved the world... God so loved, uh, not shame, not condemned. God so loved the world. Every Hindu, every Muslim, every pagan, every person, every, everyone. God so loved the world, the whole world system, the world he created. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever, not limited atonement, whoever believes in him shall be saved. Who can quote John 3, 
17, which is the very next verse. Come on. Uh, 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 right? Not so much. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him and his church, the world might be saved. What is your assignment? It's not to condemn people. It's to lead them to the freedom fighter. Amen. Come on. To lead them to Jesus, who is the only one who can deal with their sin. And listen, he's not soft on sin. But he doesn't condemn us for our sins. He convicts us about our sin. What's the difference? Conviction points out our sin, calls it what it is, and gives us hope. For change and transformation and freedom from the sin so that we can be restored. Can I hear an amen? That's such good news. In fact, let's continue to read. Look what he says. He said in verse 10, John chapter 8, verse 10, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. I mean, can you imagine? She thought she was going to be dead in in a matter of seconds. And all of a sudden, Jesus gives her new life. No one, Lord. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. But then the next phrase is critical. Go And sin no more. And this is the second thing Jesus does with us. He doesn't condemn us, but he will convict us because that's a gift. When you and I start getting desensitized to sin, we're in trouble. That means our hearts are growing harder. We're closing our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit who's trying to lead us away from the very things that are going to destroy our lives, destroy our marriages, destroy our physical health, destroy our ministries. Destroy our lives. I mean, sin is a problem, right? I mean, just take the Ten Commandments and just break them all and see what happens to your life. Adultery, covetousness, stealing, lying, right? These things are designed to destroy. So Jesus convicts us deep in our spirits. That's why we have to stay sensitive to him. And he leads us away from these things. I'm going to do a post this week. Um, this is going to be my post. I'll give you a little precursor. How many of you are seeing my posts on Facebook? About half of you. Okay, so I'm doing these daily posts for about a minute and a half, two minutes on prayer during this 30 for 30, encouraging you to pray. And this week I'm going to do a, I'm going to, I'm going to give a challenge. I'm, a, I'm amazed at how many people these little posts are reaching. I'm thrilled. But I'm going to give a challenge this week to pray before every post. And if you truly believe that Jesus is telling you to say what you're about to say and the way you're about to say it, go ahead and post. Otherwise, quit being an idiot and calling yourself a Christian and a Christ follower because you're representing him to everybody that sees your post. You are the light of the world. Not, no, no you're really not. So, 
Freedom from condemnation, freedom from sin is the second thing he's bringing us to. Look at chapter 8, same chapter 1, John chapter 8. Let's go to the second thing Jesus sets us free from. First is condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. Don't listen to those accusing voices in your head. They're not Jesus. Ever. Freedom from sin. John 8, verse 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, and you are my, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, in context... We use this, you know, know the truth and the truth will set you free. We use it for every type of freedom, which is true. Jesus can set us free from everything. But in context, in this chapter, he's talking about freedom from sin. Not just from the condemnation of sin, but from the power of sin itself. The truth is you and I do not have to sin once we have come to Christ. Because the freedom fighter and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And if you and I identify as sinners, we are going to sin. If we identify ourselves as children of God who have been transformed from darkness to light, if you truly believe this, then when you have sin at your doorstep, you realize, I actually have power over that. I do not have to say yes. If you don't believe that, you and I will live defeated lives to sin rather than realizing I've been set free from sin. I'm going to show this to you scripturally. But he goes on to say, they answered him in verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Which is astounding they would say that because they were actually in bondage to the Roman government at this point. I mean, Rome had occupied Jerusalem. These guys are under Roman control and bondage, and they're saying, we've never been in bondage to anybody. It's just the blindness is just profound. And he says, how can you say this? You will be made free. Well, Jesus isn't talking about natural bondage. He's talking about spiritual bondage. Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, the son makes you free if the son makes you free. You shall be free indeed. Jesus clearly called sin darkness. And so... If you look back up in chapter 8 and look at verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. This is so important, you guys. Jesus is explaining to her how he can lead her out of the bondage of sin. He's explained it to us this morning, too. He says, follow me. I am the light of the world. Of the world, calling adultery darkness and calling himself light. He who follows me shall walk and shall not walk in dark. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness or in sin, but shall have the light of life. He is clearly saying that he is the way out of sin. He goes on to say this in verse 14. Here he's talking about 
identity. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself that I'm the light of the world, my witness, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and I know where I am going. But you don't know where you came from and you don't know where you're going. Listen, family of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should know where you came from, the Father, where you are going to the Father, and that right now, in Christ, you are the light of the world, and sin shall not have dominion over you. In fact, I want to show this to you in the book of Romans, chapter 6. These are profound, this, these are profound passages about our identity now that we have been renewed and restored, and how we are to see ourselves in relationship to sin, which only comes to destroy in the book of Romans, chapter 6 and verse 12, look at this verse, talking to followers of Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. That sounds like we have the power over sin, doesn't it? Is that your reading of that? I pray this is unlocking some defeated thinking in your mind. That you feel like, I have no choice but to sin. Because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, actually you're not. You were a sinner, you've been saved by grace, and now you're a child of God. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. See, we aren't to obey sin now, we're to obey righteousness. All right. You look again, you're looking at me like a cow at a new gate and a dog at a new pan. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to show this to you one more time. In Ephesians chapter 5, again, this is talking about those who have already come to Christ Jesus, have had their sins forgiven, had his spirit breathed into our souls. We've been born again. And now look what the Bible says about us. In Ephesians chapter 5, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians church. We can now say it's a letter to the San Diego church. Verse 8, for you once were, 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 past tense, you know your grammar. You once, what? Were, what? Darkness. You actually were darkness. That's why we couldn't help ourselves but to sin. Because we were darkness darkness but now you are light in the world walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth you know being free and not knowing you're free there's really no difference it's kind of like this little animal rescue show hope and i watched last night a little dog named Joyce. Joyce lived in a cage, a little cage, for her entire life. You know, in these these uh, you know dog mills, they you know they don't sell the dogs. They get too old, then they just kill them. And so these rescue animal, as rescue people come along, they take all these dogs that were going to be killed, and then the the vets just donate their time, and they get these dogs healthy, and then they try to you know give them the families. And we have a rescue dog actually, and our little rescue dog, I I'm, I don't know. It must have been some guy that looks exactly like me because I come walking in the room and I, boom, that dog gone. I'm like, what did I ever do to you? But she cuddles on Hope's lap, Nana's lap, the girl's lap. I come walking into the room. It's like the big monster just walked in the room. It's actually affecting my self-esteem. It's really weird. But 
this little dog, Joyce, has never been out of the cage, and it was the cage that had this little, uh, you know, it wasn't a flat surface, so her paws, right? And, well, that wasn't Joyce, that was another one. But Joyce, I think, Joyce, because she was always pawing to the cage, that's all she ever did, they take her, they've taken her out of the cage now, but as you're carrying her, all she does is this. Because even though she's been set free, she's been conditioned to just do this. Do you know you've been set free from sin and you don't have to do this anymore? You don't have to obey sin. Will you sin? Will I sin? Probably. But don't think that you have to. The Bible is very clear about this. That we have been set free from sin. And this identity as children of light is so important because if you come up against sin and the pressure of sin and that same old bondage that destroyed you last time and has threatened you again. And you feel like, I have no power over this. That's not true. And once you realize the freedom fighter lives inside of you and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. A whole different mentality comes over you when you are resisting sin. You don't feel like a victim. You're a victor. You know, the Holy Spirit inspired me to show you this video clip right here. So this, imagine this is you coming against sin, and you finally realized who you are. Watch this. The way is shut. It was made by those who are dead. And the dead keep it. The way is shut. Now you must die. I summon you to fulfill your oath. None but the king of Gondor may command me. That line was broken. Uh, it has been remade. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. That is you and I when sin threatens to destroy our lives. We pull out the sword of the Lord, which is part of our armor, and we say, I have been remade. I have been reborn. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and He is more powerful than you are. As you grab it by the neck and tell it to get the heck out of your home. And ultimately and finally, our freedom fighter, Jesus, has not only delivered us from the condemnation of sin and the power of sin, but he's also freed us from the ultimate penalty of sin, which is death itself. I thank God for the believer. You know, the Bible actually doesn't even use the word death often when it's talking about believers who have died. They call it fallen asleep. Because... 
death has been dealt with by Jesus himself. I'm going to show this to you in Hebrews, and then we're going to go back to John. In the book of Hebrews, in uh, chapter 2, it says this very clearly about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, and uh, in verse 14. We're going to start in verse 14. Inasmuch then as... Are we there? Okay. It is true... I'll read it from here because I like this translation. It is true that we share the same Father with Jesus. And it is true that we share the same kind of flesh and blood because Jesus became a man like us. He died as we must die. Through his death, he destroyed... The power of the devil who has the power of death. Jesus did this to make us. Jesus did this to make us free from the fear of death. I am not afraid to die. I would like to choose how I die. But I'm not afraid of death itself. Because it's just a passageway to see Jesus. Do you have that freedom from fear today? If you don't, and you're a believer, you need to have your mind renewed to who you really are and what Jesus has done for you. If you're not a believer, you can receive Christ today by simply asking him into your heart, forgiving him, forgiving you of your sins. And from that moment, death has no more hold over you. The day you die, you would actually just go to sleep and you wake up in the presence of Jesus. We no longer need to be chained to this fear. Jesus did not come to help angels. Instead, he came to help men and women who are of Abraham's spiritual descendants of Abraham, which we are. So let's go back to the book of John and let's wrap this up today. In the book of John. Chapter 8. It's kind of cold in here, isn't it? John chapter 8 and in verse 51, Jesus now see, he begins this chapter removing condemnation from a person caught in sin. Then he moves talking about how he has power over sin itself and that he can set anybody free from the power of sin who, will, who are his disciples. Thank God for our freedom fighter. Then he goes on to say, oh, and by the way, I also have authority over death. And he starts, says, starts says he just keeps getting madder and madder all the way through the chapter until they finally want to kill him again. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 51 He says this, most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. (laughs) Abraham's dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, shall never taste death. Then Jesus just. Opens it up both barrels on them down to verse 58. Jesus says to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh! That was it. That was the end of it. Because the Jews understood very clearly what he just said to them. This is the same exact phraseology that God used when their leader, their icon, Moses, 
said to God when God said, I want you to deliver my people from bondage out of the world power of Egypt. And Moses says, well, I'm just a shepherd. I'm going to show up to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And what am I, who, who am I going to tell him sent me to say, let all, all the slaves go. And God says, tell him, I am that I am sent you. In other words, I have no beginning, I have no end, I am. And so when these Jews are talking to Jesus, these Pharisees talking to Jesus, who do you think you are? He says, I am. Oh, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. And by the way, for those who say to you, Jesus never said that he was God. Well, there it is. He said it in many other places as well. But right here is an irrefutable place in the Bible you can point to and say right there, he said he was God. And they tried to kill him. I like what it says. I'll just cap off the chapter with this last verse. Then they took up stones. That's how we started this chapter with a rock. They took up stones to throw at him. They wanted to kill her. Now they want to kill him. They just want to kill people. But Jesus did, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. I just love that. I mean, they're in this small room, you know, and there he is. And they're like, oh! and they've been down to pick up rocks. Like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? So as he just kind of slipped by. I just love our Savior. He's, he's, he's kind of cheeky, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, just, it just kind of annoys them and just kind of slips out. Some of you today really are in bondage to shame. And it has crippled you. It's crippled your personality. It has short-circuited your relationship with God. You're lashing out at others because you're really angry at yourself for failing spiritually. That emotion and the way it's working on you is called condemnation. And Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. So, I want to encourage you this morning to say to shame and condemnation, shut your big fat mouth. Because you are not the voice of Jesus. You remember shame and condemnation accusers over here with the Bible on the rock? Jesus told them to shut up and get out. And they did. Then he looks at her and doesn't condemn her. But he does convict her of her sin and say, now you've got to cut that out. It's going to ruin your life. Now follow me. Let's get out of here. Can you follow Jesus today and just get out of there? I know you can. And you have the freedom. You can. You don't have to be Joyce doing this. Some of you are in addiction of some kind. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's sexual addiction. Maybe it's workaholism. Maybe it's rage. I don't know what the addiction is, but I want to tell you today, you can be set free. In Christ Jesus, you can be set free. Do not buy the lie. I don't care how many times you've gone around that circle. I don't care how many times, how many years, how many times you've let go and gone back to it doesn't matter. That doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. 
And you're a child of God. You're the light of the world. And you have power of it. So don't start believing in your mind you don't have power because you actually do. And finally, for those of you who have never come to Jesus before, you can be free from the fear of death. It's one of the greatest fears of the human race is death itself. But the big question mark, what happens after I die? Well, Jesus turns that, he erases that question mark and he makes it an exclamation point. He says, anybody who comes to me has eternal life. You shall not die. You shall live forever in heaven with me. So maybe that's you today. You're here or you're listening online or watching. If you stop what you're doing right now and you simply ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and you yield your life to him and confess him as Lord and Savior, he will literally, immediately, instantaneously forgive you of your debt to God, your sin. And he will breathe his spirit into you and you will be what's called born again. Jesus coined that phrase. He said, you must, you must join the Gathering Place Church to be saved. Is that what he said? You must pay enough money to absolve your sins. You must go to church every day and don't miss one time. You must. No. What did he say? You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. It's a gift. It's a rebirth. It's him freely forgiving our sin and breathing his spirit into any soul that claims Jesus as Lord. And you become an eternal son or daughter of God in that instant. It's a miracle. It's a gift. Heaven's free. And so I want to pray with everyone out of those three categories. We just um, pray with me real quick. Why don't we all stand? Has this helped you today? That's my goal is to help, to encourage I want to pray this prayer of impartation and freedom, deliverance and breakthrough. Some of you are listening to those voices. They've been lying to you, and you're finding out that those little, those little rats aren't your Lord. Jesus says to you today, I do not condemn you. I want to pray this prayer of impartation over these three areas of shame, sin, and death. Then I want us to receive... Uh, an offering for our brother down there in Mexico and help lift his burden and get him back preaching and saving people in that city and getting that yoke off of him. Would you put your hand over your heart this morning? And I want you to just repeat this prayer with me, but it's got to be from your spirit, not from me. You pray this. Say, shame and condemnation I speak to you in the authority of Christ shut up you are not the voice of my Savior I do not have to listen to you and I will not listen to you anymore dear Jesus crank up your voice in my heart and my mind I determined from this day forward only to listen to your voice when you talk to me about my sin because you're my freedom fighter. 
Now, pray this prayer. Sin, you don't own me. Jesus owns me. You don't control me anymore. Because I've been set free from you. I am a child of the light. I'm not a child of the darkness. And I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I pray to you, Jesus, my freedom fighter, fill me today with the power of your spirit, spirit of purity and holiness and truth and courage so I can walk in the light as you are in the light. Just keep your hand over your heart. If you've never received Jesus before, just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I receive you as my Savior today for the forgiveness of my sins. I invite you into my life and I turn my life over to you. And I confess you as my Savior. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. All right, so um, let's serve this pastor down there real quick. Just grab a seat. Ushers, please come down. And let's uh, receive an offering for this church down in Mexico. Good one. 